Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have got a good friend of mine, a neat guy, and another podcast host. Mike is the host of the Business of Pharmacy podcast. Now, Mike and I would have fun talking pharmacy for about the next 45 minutes or so. And if you're in that world, you would enjoy that too. But we'd be the only ones that enjoy it. So let's talk about other things today. (laughs) That's right. Mike is the host of, as I mentioned, the host of the Business of Pharmacy podcast. He owns his own pharmacy, and it is an honor to have with me Mike Kelzer here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Mike, how are hey, you Hey, Brian. I'm doing well. Good to see you. We talked a couple of weeks ago on mine, and uh, it's great to see you again. You know, the 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 only thing that I will say is that that uh, you have got a tremendous microphone, so I, I need all the, the <laughs> microphone help I can get. <laughs> to, to, to actually sound halfway decent and, and you have got it you know i'm having a tad bit of mic envy but uh, uh i am so cool i am so cool yeah you really are you 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 really are mike let, let's start here you 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 guys in you're in michigan yeah you're in the grand rapids area yeah. and and you guys in michigan have had your own set of challenges i like to find out through the midst of COVID-19, and, and again, the pandemic is still going on as we record it, and hopefully, you know, we won't have to deal with it much longer. Yeah. But I'd like to find out what what people's challenges have been through this and the things that they've learned from this COVID-19 pandemic. Kind of take me back a year ago, you know, when everything hit, and, and, and kind of take me, walk me through that time of going through that in your community, because I know what what happened here, but I want to know what was going on there. COVID was the, about the worst thing for everybody. And it was about the best thing to happen to me and my business. We, uh, around last March, we were having a lot of challenges. A lot of independent pharmacies were having challenges and, um, one of the issues was the insurances in pharmacy keep squeezing down and they actually pay less than our cost on brand name drugs. So we were having for the first time in 75 years of our family business, we were having troubles paying our bills. And uh, when you don't pay your bills, the wholesalers don't like to send you product. And when the wholesalers don't send you product, um, Customers get upset because their medicine's not there and employees get freaked out because all the customers who used to be friendly for the last, you know, 75 years are now upset all the time. So right when COVID hit, my shelves were starting to get empty. I was losing employees because some of them were quitting because they were so stressed out. And like that same week, I come in, start kind of taking the pharmacy back over And our shelves are kind of drying up and all of a sudden COVID hit and it was the best excuse I had to say COVID, you know, everything's breaking down because of COVID. So for me, boy, personally, 
uh, I came back, kind of took over the business. I had been at home for about four or five years before COVID hit. And I, and I was back at the pharmacy 40 hours a week and kind of running the show there with my son, who's, um, who's also in charge. And um, COVID gave us the cover to kind of get back into business. Um, we, we had some help. I, I've never done it before, but I gladly took some of the government help of the PPP loans and things like that. And got us back in order, but it was crazy times too. doubled our deliveries, um, you know, social distancing, all that kind of stuff. So Mike, um, what was the, I got to jump in here. What yeah. was the one thing that when you got back into the business, you'd be, you just mentioned you had been away from it, kind of, yeah. kind of stepped back from it, not being totally away, but stepping back from it. Yeah. What was the first thing that you noticed was that aha opportunity? Like I see this and I know that immediately I can, I can fix it and it's going to make an impact. I think the opportunity was instead of serving the needs of the employees, because I was always sort of, what are the employees thinking? And am I being supportive enough and things like that? And it was nice to finally get rid of that layer of the employees and focus right on the customers again. Because the last five years, even longer, I had focused too much on the employees and their problems and concerns. And I actually got some, some professional help with that. And my therapist said, she said, if you want to keep your employees happy, give them 26 weeks of vacation and enough money to buy plane tickets to Hawaii. That's how you keep them happy. She said, you got a business to run basically. And so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that I had to refocus my, my eyesight on the customers, what I needed to do and less on the people that I was, I was paying. And, um, but, but we, we sized down and a lot happened good in the last year. As far as COVID goes though, I was crazy. I've got, um, I've got 10 kids and uh, the school affected, you know, eight of the 10 cause they're still in school. So it was crazy times, but a lot of, I mean, a lot of people died from it, but those that didn't, it's the old adage that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that's certainly where I feel I am now. I got to ask 10 kids, my friend, 10, I, I mean, good grief. You took the scripture, be fruitful and multiply it on <laughs> as a personal challenge right there. Yeah. So walk us through the, so walk us from oldest to youngest, your, your age range of your kids. Well, so, um, our oldest is, uh, uh, 28, our youngest is 10. So it's about 10, about every, it's about a child, about every, oh, 20 months, something like that. And uh, all single births and um, five boys, five girls. And we've got, we're almost empty nesters, Brian. We've got two out of the house. So we only have eight to go. Yeah. Yeah. You're we're almost, we're almost there. Your precious wife, man. I'm telling you, my, <laughs> oh. my grandma, my grandmother, uh, my, my dad was the youngest of 12. Mm. And, and so the, the oldest yeah. was there was like 28 years between the oldest yeah. and the youngest. And, and my dad had nieces and nephews that were older than he was. I've got cousins. I've got first cousins in their seventies. Yeah. It's something 70s. Family yeah. Like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild. And I'll go and, and I'll go and I'll see them. And 
the wild the wildest part is I've got a first cousin that he has a son that's my age. I'm about three months older than than his son. <laughs> And he's my first cousin. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's it's crazy. It, did 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 you and your fan? Did you and your wife kind of start out to go? Hey, let's let's have a big family, or or was it just kind of something that happened along the way? Well, I'm eight of twelve. My wife's eight of thirteen children, and we just loved it. I've got a lot of siblings that would beg to differ on. Well, it was their upbringing. It wasn't mine, but each of us had our own upbringing, but both my wife and I loved it. And we knew from the start, we were just going to have a lot of kids, the Lord willing. And so, um, we did. And my theory always with my wife, I said, you know, there's a lot of pathways that we take that a few years later, you're like, why was I focused on that? Why was I focused on this goal or that goal? But about the only thing that we said that we couldn't turn back time on was children. You know, let's, let's have them. Let's say yes to those. And uh, we can always, you know, put them up for sale later, but let's have them now. <laughs> you know, let's, let's do it because that's one thing that we can't change. You know, we can change a lot of other stuff, but you can't change if you didn't have the children that you think you wanted. You can't go back on that one. No, that's, that's great. And, and you mentioned going back into the pharmacy business with your son. Yeah. What was that like for you just going and, and, and just now it's, it's more than just father and son. You guys are standing shoulder to shoulder as business partners together yeah. in, in your, in your family's pharmacy. And, and we'll get to, to the history of that. I want to yeah. hear more about that a little bit later, but what was that like for you and your son standing shoulder to shoulder going, okay, it's our time together to fix this business. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little nerve wracking for me because my, when I came in with my dad, my dad was probably the most generous person I know. But one thing that was never fully established was that I was the new leadership coming up. And that's something that I've got to be very careful with my son of letting people know where the leadership stands because it's hard when you come into a business and you're given the responsibility like I was. I was given the responsibility of leadership, but I wasn't always given the the conversation was not always there with the right people to say, all right, Mike's in charge now. And so it was hard to run the business um, through just motivation. I mean, I never only want to be an iron fist coming down. But when you don't have that in your back pocket, it's hard to do stuff just from motivation and just from being, you know, cheery, you know, it's, it's a, it's a combination of both. And um, so I spent, I spent a lot of time feeling one way inside, yet trying to act one way on the outside. It, it's taken a lot of time in my life to bring those two pieces of me back together. But um, it's good, though. I, it, I wouldn't change any of that history if I could, because it's taught me a lot about human nature and a lot about myself, certainly. You know, it's, it's funny that, you know, generationally that, that you get to, to share that like you did with your dad. Now you're getting to do it with your son. And I don't know if your dad is your dad still alive. He's passed. What do you think your dad would think about you and your son working shoulder to shoulder together? in the business, like you and he got to work shoulder to shoulder together in the business? 
I think he'd be proud, but my dad was always very careful about not letting any pride get in the way of what would be best for an individual. And so that was just a big thing of his, of having people do what's meant for them and not because somebody expects something of them. So we've always been, I've always been very, like, for example, my son is not in pharmacy. He's in business. Uh, he has a business degree. And so none of my kids will end up in pharmacy. If they do, I tell them, you guys, you got to love this because I can't guarantee what's going to be here for you. So you have to love the science of pharmacy. And then maybe our pharmacy will be a part of that picture. Maybe it won't be. Um, but I think they all made a pretty wise path of not heading that direction right now, just because it's a volatile business. Yeah, let's let's step aside, take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to carry the conversation from there and talk about the changing business of pharmacy, because I, you you hit a nugget there that I want to park on and, and, and extrapolate a little bit further and have a little more conversation around that. Talking with my friend Mike Kelzer here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Come back here in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Mike, let's pull some more conversation out of that. I loved what you said about the changing business of pharmacy. What's the one thing that you have seen in your years as a pharmacist and a business owner and things like that, that has really changed about the business of pharmacy? Because a lot of people, they just, they, they run to local pharmacy, they pick up prescriptions, they may pick up other things. They may not understand all the intricacies of the business of pharmacy like you and I do. What's changed most for you that you've seen that you've gone Ah, this is really different now. Well, you remember your first iPhone, Brian? I do. First I iPod, not iPhone, iPod. You remember it was like a brick sort of had the one button in the middle and brr, you know, yep. <laughs> you know, and I always say, wouldn't it be, wouldn't Apple have loved it if they said, nope, we're not changing this and nobody else gets to make something like this. So we're just set we're okay. We're just going to charge, you know, 400 bucks for this or whatever it was, you know, and we're good, you know, but that, that doesn't happen. And so competition in any business competition is what keeps 
you know, the, the economy alive, I guess. And so certainly in pharmacy, the competitions there, probably the worst competition though, is, is a, is a vertical integration of pharmacy where you've got uh, insurance companies that are owning pharmacies that are being owned by pharmacy benefit managers who make deals with big companies. And you can see that when you have that vertical integration, basically you have monopolies happening, which try to squeeze out pharmacies wherever they can. I mean, they're not against independent pharmacy. They're just against anybody who's not their own pocket. Well, they, so, they, they're not, they're not to interrupt you, Mike, they're not against independent pharmacies. They just make it very difficult for independent pharmacies to yeah. fill anything. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's, natural, like I say, and that's why I always think back to the, to the iPod, you know, it's like, wouldn't we love just to, <laughs> wouldn't we love just to do what we do? And unfortunately that's not the case. So it's been very competitive. And um, in fact, it's been so competitive that this last uh, December, um, every brand name that we sell, we would lose 10% on it. So brand names were about 10% of our number of prescriptions. So let's just say we fill 200 prescriptions a day and 10% of that would be 20. So on those 20 prescriptions, we would lose 10% on each of those. And so this December, I was faced with the decision of either locking my doors for good or making the decision to get rid of our brand names, hold on to 95% of our number of prescriptions with generic and um, so now we're a generic only pharmacy. My point there is that it's kind of crazy, uh, but crazy times, I guess, call for crazy measures, they say. So we're doing a lot of stuff that I never, that's what my dad would have thought now, you know, he'd be like, he'd just say, oh, whatever, <laughs> you know, well, he wouldn't believe the things that we have to do right now. You make a great point. And that is the decision that a lot of business owners have to make in order to make it. What you have to, the, the decisions you have to make to make it. And Mike, you decided, even though, and somebody would say, well, 10% of your overall revenue, you're losing 10% on. And, and people would say, well, we have lost leaders. You know what, you know, if you're, re, if you own a, a small retail facility, yeah. Well, and, and Brian, and Brian yeah. let me cut, let me cut you there. No, just go to ahead. Go ahead. Just, just to clarify that, it was 10% of our number of, it was 10% of our number of prescriptions, but brand names are so darn expensive that it was 80% of our revenue. Wow. So it was a portion, a small portion of our number of prescriptions, but 80% of our revenue, which allowed us to say, well, if it's that much revenue, but only that much number of prescriptions, we can make this and not affect too many people by it, but make a big impact. So uh, a lot of, a lot of quick decisions, you know, had to be made. Well, and again, I, I love the fact that you guys identified and really pinpointed where the leak was yeah. in your business, because I I'm thinking about, and, and Mike, I live next door. My wife's grandparents own the house. They owned the house next door to us before they both passed. And and I remember a, several years ago helping my wife's granddad dig where a leak was coming from. Hmm. 
and he was able to pinpoint it before the leak got bigger and moved and flooded their basement and, and did damage. And that's the problem that a lot of people don't face to make the house yeah. analogy is, yeah. is they don't pinpoint the leak and fix it. They just go, I can't find the leak or it's too expensive to call a plumber or this or that. And then all of a sudden they've got a flooded basement and now it's devastating and it's catastrophic. When you are able to pinpoint that, here's where I want to go with this to, sure. to really give some encouragement to those business owners. Yeah. Was it in, 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 and I'm, I'm trying to put myself into that scenario in that moment, walking with you and your son, where you say, this is an easy decision on paper, but we know there's going to be some people affected. How long did it take you guys to really dig in and implement that strategy that, that should have been, you know, cause most people, and forgive me for going long winded here, but some people might say, well, that's a no brainer. You cut that off immediately. You just can't do that in the, in the world of pharmacy. You cannot just cut that, that right. tide that quickly. Right. How, how take me through that process of working through, you know, making that switch over to becoming a generic only pharmacy. Well, it's one of those things, Brian, where, um, if I succeed in this, I'm a genius. If I fail, I'm just, you know, because what happened was one of the things that I think I could do better in life and I'm trying to change and I'm, and I'm learning this as I go, because I'm still not too old to learn is trying to make decisions when maybe they're 51 positive and 49% negative, you know, or maybe 50, you know, right in that range. And something that I've done way too long, I think is waited until it was so obvious, you know, wait, wait to fire an employee until they're like 95% bad. And I can only find a little bit of good. And maybe that comes from my, my Christian background of trying to find the good in people or something like that, but it's not always good for business. And so with pharmacy, like this change, I mean, we waited a long time on this. And so it wasn't people say, well, Mike, you made this very bold decision of brand name versus generic. And it's like, no, not really. I made a bold decision of uh, locking the doors forever or going <laughs> yeah. with generic. You know what I mean? And so frankly, Brian, I should have done this $500,000 ago, you know, but it's just hard. It's hard for all of us to make decisions because you don't want to relive those decisions. And when you're forced to do something, it's easier, but a lot of times it's too late, you know? And so well, Mike, you know, where I live here in West Virginia, that here, here's, and I love what you're saying. Cause here where I live in West Virginia, you could have somebody with a gaping wound at the bottom of their leg <laughs> yeah. that is just oozing out right. all kinds of stuff. And they're going, ah, I'd be all right. I'm just going to throw a bandaid on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're like, you, dude, you really need to go get that checked out. <laughs> I won't go to the hospital. They'll rip you off down there at the hospital. Yeah. It'll be all right. You know, and, and, and again, in my, in my best hillbilly. Yeah. I am, I am, I know people like that. Like they just, just shake it off, you know, or and things like that. And, and you, to your point, you can't, there are times when the obvious smacks you in the face and it forces you to make that decision. What were you, what were the reactions of your customers? Because you said a minute ago that, that you, you flipped the script 
of of instead of considering the needs of your employees, which you guys had always done, it was taking the customers into consideration. Now, what were the customers' reactions when you guys decided to make this change from a business model standpoint? Yeah, and I, I think there is, you know, on the point of the decision, there is a lot of value in being a procrastinator because when you procrastinate, you get a lot more, usually you get a lot more options unless you wait so long that there's no, you know, there's no lifeboat left. But when you procrastinate, you do pick up a lot of options. With our decision, <sighs> it's always been easier as a business owner to blame something externally because instead of saying, you know, I weighed the choices, it was 51 this way, 49 that way. And I'm going to make this decision. That's always been tough for me. For me, it's always been, you know, look, I've got to, I've got to downsize. I got to fire you because we don't have any money left or I got to make this decision or I'd be locking the doors. Now, Maybe I hold a little bit back, you know, maybe I wasn't going to lock the door the next day, you know, but it's always, it's always, it's always easier to blame it on something, but sometimes it goes, sometimes it goes too long. But to answer your question, Brian, I, it's, it's a lot easier to make a decision when you can blame something externally, you know, when you can look at the customer and say, look, I'm on your side, this sucks. Hey, but Bob, listen, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be here. The pharmacy yeah. would be closed. And yeah. so look, I know it stinks that you have to get 5% of your medicine elsewhere, but we can still do 95% of it and we're still here. And so that's what we're happy about. Those are easier conversations than just saying, you know, I waited out and we're going to do this. It, it's just easier that way. But so you want procrastination is okay, but you want to wait long enough. So you still have the decision. You don't want to have the, you don't want your only decision to be to lock the door and have that be your only decision. Well, Mike, you bring up, again, you bring up another brilliant point is a lot of times. Well, I should get my wife in here and let her hear how many brilliant points we, I'm bringing you know, up. Yeah. You, she doesn't usually, de she doesn't usually describe them that way, Brian. Hey, listen. My wife doesn't, my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. So they go there. <laughs> we can say whatever we yeah, want to yeah. then. Well, no, Mike, the, the brilliant point that you made is a lot of times when you have to make a decision and you can shift blame to something else, your customer actually feels like you've got their, your arm around them and they go, well, you know, Mike, you're probably right. Government's screwing us all now, aren't they? You know, and, and, and you get that, you get that collaboration yeah. and that understanding from the customer, like, Hey, um, we didn't want to do this, but doggone, whether it's a legitimate business excuse or whether it's to your point, like, yeah, it's the best I got right now. And your customer buys it and he goes, yeah, yep, government's going to screw us all. You yeah. know, it's yeah, that that's the thing. And, and I love that what you said there about the difference in the two things of, yeah, we could have said this, but we chose to come at it from this angle. And what you really said that I thought was brilliant was we, 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 we made a, we made an intentional business decision to tell the truth and tell it as fast as we could and tell people what we could still do to help them. Let's fast forward a little bit. You said COVID was one of the best things that happened to your business. I want to kind of rehash that and hit on that again. What have you seen in your business that has been great since COVID-19 hit? And if you had it to do over again, what would you have done differently around making some of those decisions? 
Well, if I had to do anything differently, I probably would not have. I think every decision we made was good enough. And sometimes that comes with just gnawing on a decision too long and maybe too much anxiety. But I think every decision was a good one. I think um, COVID gave us a lot of excuses, you know, why our shelves were empty, why why employees had left, you know, not, not, it, it was an easier conversation immense. It, it's kind of like, Brian, it's kind of like when you're in the pharmacy and your computer goes bonkers and people come in, it's a beautiful sunny day and the lights are on and the breeze, air conditioners on and all that. And you tell people, sorry, we can't do this because our computer's broken. They get pissed. But when there's been like a windstorm and like, trees are over the roads and powers out and the air conditioners off and everybody's sweltering and all this stuff. And then you say, yeah, we can't do this. They're like, yeah, oh, I know it's a, everything, every, every, everything's bad. Thanks for helping us out though, Mike. We yeah. They'll spend 10 you know. minutes telling you how bad it was for them. Just getting to the pharmacy. They're like, I feel you brother. Yeah. I, you when know, you can, yeah. When you can all join in the pain. So that's what COVID did for us. It allowed us all to, instead of having it focused on me, that my shelves were empty. Every, I didn't have to go out and tell people that it was because I wasn't paying my bills. It was just because they figured it was COVID. And it's like, who am I to disagree with their thought patterns and what's happening? No, hundred percent. A hundred percent. But yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have changed anything in COVID. I think what COVID though has done for the industry, which has been really good, is, for example, I had been basically at home for five years, you know, going to the store an hour a week, things like that. But what COVID did for me is it put me in front line, you know, so now there's only a few people that were out there that first week of COVID, you know, it was grocery store workers and doctors and maybe pharmacists, you know, and, and other ones, of course, but those are the, those are kind of symbolic of, of who was out there. So I was like a frontline employee for a while and we are not ourselves. We're not doing COVID shots, but across the country, I mean, independent pharmacists, pharmacists in general, are just killing it with COVID vaccinations and stepping up to, to that plate. And so I think a lot, I think we talked uh, before the show, I think about um, this, a big Supreme court win for independent pharmacies against the insurance companies. And I think that happened because the, the, even the Supreme court justices were seeing at the time, what pharmacists were doing in the middle of COVID. So I think, I think COVID is going to be a good thing for pharmacists across the board. And again, I don't mean to paint a cheery picture on this for people who lost loved ones, but I think in general, COVID is going to do a lot for the profession. Well, it, it's given us a, a playbook of things not to do as well as a playbook of things to do, because again, there, there were a lot of, and not to politicize things. And I, I agree with you. Listen, Nearly 600,000 deaths as at the time that we record this is a terrible thing, mm -hmm. but so is losing your loved one to a heart attack. So is losing your yeah. loved one to cancer. So, it, and, and, and diabetes and all these other diseases that never stopped that those trains never stopped rolling. Right. You just never heard about it because COVID was so dominant for sure as a disease state. And the, and again, and I kind of facetiously said this to my wife over the weekend. I said, why don't we just convert all the cancer centers to COVID? If that's the, if, you know, just, just make everything, sure. you, you know, take the heart institutes and the cancer institutes and, yeah. the, and the things like that, the, the neonatal units and things like that, and just turn them all into to COVID facilities. Yeah. And I was being facetious, but the point was, was that those other disease states, pharmacists needed to be there to, to continue to support. Yeah. 
all the other disease states that were still going on that that contrary to popular belief were not taking a back seat to covid right and they don't take a back seat to anybody no you know they, it's they, just they, what's they in the news they, yeah they are what they are and again not to politicize this but again to your point about the independent pharmacy is the trust factor with customers with the independent local pharmacy is and always will be there because they it's always been there with with those you talk about the generations and forgive me for, again for going a little long-winded but generationally mm -hmm. families that gone have gone to the the local independent pharmacy the local independent pharmacy and and th there is a comfort level of of those places in the community i i'd be remiss though before we go to another break i would be remiss if we didn't talk about your podcast the business of pharmacy podcast take me into how that got started and and kind of what was the genesis behind it for you to start that podcast um probably a couple things i like the attention of a national stage because i spent 30 years in my corner pharmacy, you know, serving a population of two mile radius. So it's a, it's just a lot of fun to um, make a mark, my own little tiny mark nationally. That's just fun. Um, secondly is podcast is cool because it just takes a lot of things into account. You know, the artwork you do for stuff and the, and the technology and it's fun to mess with stuff. Brian, you and I are comparing microphones and stuff, you know, that's cool to do. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, probably the main reason though, was because of, because of the volatility of the pharmacy market, I didn't know if I would be here still owning the pharmacy in 2021 and 2020. You know, I, I had no, I thought we were closing. And so I said, what can I do? What do I love to do? What can make an impact? This and that. It came down to saying, I'm going to get my podcast going. And now I'm a hundred episodes in. And um, you might even be the hundredth guest, Brian, when, when it comes out. I'm, I'm not sure who the unlucky person is, but, um, but here I am a hundred episodes in. And that was all out of the necessity of, you know, watching my back and trying to stay one step ahead and putting food on the table. I haven't monetized it, but the idea is there yeah. of moving forward. Well, the thing about it is, and, and I haven't monetized the Intentional Encourager podcast. And, and, and the thing of it is, I think for me, Mike, if, if I were to ever monetize it, it wouldn't be as much fun. I think you're right, Brian. And, and so, you know, I've got total freedom to do and say and have the people that I want like yourself want. And listen, when podcasters get together, we geek out over each other's equipment. <laughs> like, oh, man, that's so cool. And yeah. then, you know, that's how I ended up with the, the microphone that I have was a buddy of mine. I asked him. He's got a podcast. And for sure, he just he, he graciously sent me a <laughs> microphone. I was like, great, man, this is awesome. And and Mike, it's it is you are doing your community a great service because somebody could listen to your podcast an independent pharmacy in Juneau, Alaska could listen to your podcast and connect with somebody with, with you in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And you guys could be the only way you'd meet that guy probably is going to a convention and, or, but now you're connected with, Hey, Mike said something on his podcast boy, that's really good. We really need to think about implementing that. And, yeah, and, and, I, and I love that. That for is so sure. good. And I just, 
I just love in a day, in a day and age of boom, boom, you know, headlines, boom, boom, and social media and a lot. I just love the long form of podcasting. And, you know, me, I always, I always say my, I only have three listeners. I have next week's guest to see how much, so they can find out how rough I am on my guests and then me and then my dog, you know? So I always, I always have three listeners at least to every episode, but I love the long form in a day and age of just jumping, jumping, jumping. I just yeah. love that long form. I'm just yeah. chilling back and just list, you know, just hanging out with somebody. That That is the coolest thing. It, it really is the, the best thing. And I, I was going through some stuff today and thinking about, okay, I, I've recorded with people in 32 out of 50 states that, that uh, you know, in six countries. And it's so like, cool. where, yeah, where else you get to do that? So um, cool. I got to ask you this before we take another break is what, what's the one thing when people find out you're a pharmacist or, or a pharmacy owner, what's the one thing that, let me step back a minute and, and, and ask the question this way. What's the one thing most people don't understand about, about, pharmacies that they really need to educate themselves on about a pharmacy? Well, I would say that podcast, or I'm sorry, that was in my mind. I would say that COVID is really kind of what we talked about of even myself, I was questioning what's the value of a pharmacist, you know, in the day and age of mail order and getting information online and, you know, all this kind of, all this biopharmaceutical genetic, all this stuff, you know, it's like, who is the pharmacist and COVID really boy, just being able to be the frontline worker of saying, you know, with the pharmacist, like I probably have probably maybe a hundred touch points with some customers, you know, they're in the pharmacy twice a week doing something passing through, you know, and you think about some of the other professions, you know, doctors and things like that. They maybe have two times a year at most are seeing you maybe one I'm seeing people 50, a hundred times a year. And it's almost like, um, boy, you can almost take a look at people and see that something's wrong with them, you know, by the look of their yeah. face and stuff. So I think that's the coolest thing I've seen is just the, is just how many touch points pharmacists have with people. Man, that's so good. Yeah, because again, you know, what people don't see in the value of of pharmacogenetics is, and 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 that's something that pharmacists learn too, is you know, your body, everyone's body reacts different to medication because of our DNA. And and you know, you really have to understand how medicine makes you feel, not the end results of it. The end results is to help monitor a condition, things like that, but really listen to how you feel taking that medication and really have those conversations with your pharmacist and go, Hey, you know, is there something I should be talking to my doctor about? Cause I'm not feeling right with this medication. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, that's so good. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back. I want to tell Mike's story. He's got, we've already teased it a little bit his family owning a pharmacy for 75 years. I love that. I want to find out more about that story, but back in a moment with my friend, Mike Kelzer here on the intentional encourager podcast. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, people buy from people, 10 powerful people lessons from the ultimate people person, my dad, my dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership 
career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger, deeper, and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Michael, let's dive into your story, my friend. Take me as far back as you want to take me from point A to where we are now. I'd really love to know your journey, you know, and, and kind of what shaped your journey along the way. Yeah, I'm the eight of eight of 12. Um, part of the reason I went into pharmacy is maybe because I knew my dad was getting older and none of my other siblings were going into it, you know, so I knew my dad didn't have a real long career. I... I hated working at the pharmacy growing up and um, went to a couple years of pre-college. Then I went to the Catholic seminary for a year until I got kicked out of the, oh, I didn't get kicked out, but <laughs> I tried that out and came back. How do you go from pharmacy <laughs> to seminary? That's what I want to know. Most people, it's the other way around. It's it, Most people are like, well, you know, I'm going to have to deal with insane people at, at church or insane people in pharmacy yeah. and then pharmacy pays way more than God does. So, yeah, know. I just always had it on my mind. So I gave it a year. I, I, I left home about 500 miles away tried it out for a year. It wasn't, it, I, I figured if God wanted me, he had me away for a year and he could have taken me and he, and he didn't. So I returned through that time. I had a year and a half of uh, philosophy and religion and things like that. And I got back, it was kind of hard to get back into the swing of the pharmacy studies, but I did that. And um, I, what I love about my career, I love about pharmacy as I as a business owner, as I wear so many different hats. And if I had to look at the clock, I think I would be in the infirmary by now. Um, whatever that is, a lot of asylum, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. That's politically hey, at correct. At least you know how to prescribe yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I would, I would have gone bonkers now. So what, what I just, what I love about my career is uh, being able to do projects. I love projects. So the podcast is a project, you know, and doing marketing for the pharmacy as a project and trying to get on local, you know, publicity for the you know, radio for the pharmacy as a project. I just love projects. And so um, it's been a, it's been a great, it's been a great career. Would I have done it again now? Probably not because of the volatility of it, but um, it's been just a great, career to wear so many different hats and not be focused in too directly in, in one area. Cause someone else is kind of pushing on me. You mentioned your dad and the influence of your dad, as far as owning the pharmacy and things like that. Did your dad start the pharmacy? Did it, was it your grandfather? How, how did the, how did the, how did your, your family pharmacy get started? My, my grandpa bought it from, uh, 
from a guy I actually met the guy came in. It's like 95. You told me how my grandpa bought it. My grandpa bought it. Um, he passed away quite quickly after he bought it. And then my dad, my dad was in and, um, uh, and then, and then I took over, you know, no pressure. It just seemed like a good, good place to go to try to get some, um, income to raise 10 kids. And my dad had, my dad did it. I figure I could do it. And that's part of the thing I always say is like, I knew I could do it. Cause if your dad can do it, anybody can, you know, if, if dad can do it, I can yeah. do it. That did your grandparents thing. have a lot? Did your grandparents on your father's side, did they have a lot of kids? Because you mentioned, no, my dad, right. it, it was remarkable. My dad came from, it was my dad and his sister and wow. And then, and then somehow my dad, um, it was my dad and his sister. And then my dad was, um, had 12 kids. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's touching to me, you know, that he, um, that he just, that he did that, that he gave, you know, gave to that many lives, I guess. And so, um, like I say, it's something that I can't, um, I don't know if it's the best route, but you know, and, and the thing is, so Brian, I think I'm done. After 10, I've decided that's it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably good idea, man. I, no more. You know, yeah, no, no more. Yeah. Exactly. No, but so, yeah, so the pharmacy and, and you know, and no one, frankly, frankly, Brian, I think the pharmacy, I'm not above saying that I knew or thought it could give me a decent living, enough to grow this family and do, have, have enough freedom, do what I wanted to do. If there was something else that maybe could have done that better, um, I would have probably have listened to the market demands and may have done something else. So it was, it's been a good road and I'd be, uh, I'd be lying if I said that it's been rewarding, it's been interesting, but it's also been fruitful. And so I'll take, it. let me ask you something. If, if you could, if you could, go back or if at some, and, and, and I want to go here and framing this question. Yeah. Your granddad buys the pharmacy, your dad's in the pharmacy, you're in the pharmacy, your son is in the pharmacy. I mean, what a family legacy that you guys have built. If you could spend an hour with your granddad and your dad and your son's in the room together, what's the first question you're asking either one of them about the business part? of pharmacy? Hmm. The business part would, I, I probably would have asked each of them what they would have done differently than what they did. And that's probably my question. I would have said, I said, what did you spend too much time worrying about that you could have not worried about that and probably come out about the same and that's the key thing I would have wanted to known from each of them. Where did you spend too much worry? And in the end, it's like, it didn't matter because, you know, Z happened anyways, yeah. and X and Y wouldn't have changed it. And then I would have done that. And I would have taken the X and Y of the, of the, that focus, I would have moved that out of the way. And I would have traded that time for more presence with my wife and my children mentally. What's the one thing? If, and I'm going to frame that question a little bit differently. You've been in business 75 years. You have a 75th anniversary celebration. What's the one thing, if you could, what's the one thing you're showing your granddad and your dad about the pharmacy today? 
Hmm. Something that I'd like to show them. Um, I think the thing I'm proudest of has probably come most recently in the last year. And that would be re resiliency in the storm. And that would either be resiliency from people's comments that didn't go my way, but I still acted in the way that I needed to act. It would have been resiliency financially, um, making choices that were not either popular or didn't seem right, but they had to be made and doing it and moving forward. And that's probably what I'm most, um, most proud of. You mentioned your wife and, and your, you, you and your wife had 10 kids together and God, God bless you, man. Uh, that that's awesome. What's your wife's greatest strength? Her greatest strength, I think, is um, is reflection. And I think when you think about the Blessed Mother, you know, and they say that she she saw Jesus do things and and she she contemplated them in her heart. You know, that's what I would say. And 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 and, and folks that are listening to this, they're probably going, "Man, you're rapid fire. You don't normally rapid fire questions like that." I, I wanted, I really wanted to kind of get inside Mike's head a little bit and, and pull out some of those different pieces of, of questioning, because here's what I'm in, in awe of. I'm in awe of the fact that you and your family have weathered the storm for 75 years, 1946 to 2020. That's a long time, brother. That's a mm -hmm. long time to stay in business. And the importance of a good, well-run, locally-owned business, because we're losing our, our communities are losing those things. The small business community has been pounded this year by COVID nineteen. And again, I may be speaking to a small business owner. We may be talking to to an online seller or something like that. But I want to say this, Mike, and I want to say this in front of you. And forgive me if I'm, I'm crossing the line. We had so many leaders in government from a state, local, and federal level that blew it in the past year because the small business owner, you talk about being nimble, flexible, and adaptable. It's a small business owner, right? Because again, we, we, we talked a lot about the, the, the big decision you had to make and you had to be nimble and flexible to do it or else you were going to hemorrhage out. You were going to bleed out and have to close your business would have died. And, and I don't think our government leaders gave our small businesses enough credit time and acumen abilities to be able to go, we'll figure it out. Just give us the opportunity. We'll figure it out. Instead we locked down and we didn't give these people time to figure it out. Um, Stop me if I, if, if I am kind of pontificating where I shouldn't be pontificating. But to me, I saw that that really hit close to home. Did you feel like that there was a time, your business is a little bit different, but it's not that much different. Did you feel like, and you mentioned a little while ago that you guys took some of the PPE money and God bless you, I, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you feel like there was a time that you were like, man, are, are we going to be able to stay open? Not because you couldn't figure it out from a business ownership standpoint, but is our state and local government going to allow us to stay open? Yeah, that's, 
unfortunately, well, by the, for better, for worse, we're, we're easy. It's like, yeah, keep the pharmacies open. That's good. But, you know, I got a brother-in-law who owns a bowling alley. I mean, he's been crapped on by the government, you know, for yeah. the bowling alley. I mean, he's been out of business now for a year and a half. And and uh, I can't say what's right or wrong. Well, but and Mike, the re and forgive me for jumping in there. You know, people, one, one thing about the business that you're in is the pharmacy, you, you, you know, most pharmacies that you go into have all these retail products from front to back and then the pharmacies in the back, I could have very easily seen a scenario where, where government leaders said, well, you can, you have to put up a plexiglass walkway and your customers can only go to the back of the store and get pharmacy goods, or they can come through the drive through, but that's it. And people don't realize that the other components of that pharmacy, the retail products are there for a reason. Is yeah. Folks want them. They, you know, they serve a purpose. It's, it's convenience or it's you carry something that, uh, that somebody else doesn't carry, or you carry yeah. a, a particular brand of cough syrup or something like that. And, and, and that's where I was kind of going with that question. And forgive me for not asking that question correctly. Well, yeah, the, the, I mean, for us, really the government's been really good and, and, I think I've gotten too much from them with PPP and, and, uh, and this last thing, I got a bunch of money. I didn't even know why I got so much and someone's cause I have so many kids, you know, I got like yeah. this last thing. And, um, but what the government has to do, I think the biggest thing the government can do for us is let us, let us continue our business and be careful of the monopolies. The monopolies are what kills us because I tell you what, Brian, I put on a good act with the local, uh, customers and so on. And I, and my marketing is correct where I put a smile on my face and I'm there for people. I am, but I'm mainly there for my family and I can, and I need money to support my family. And that comes from freedom, freedom to run my business, to not be taxed out of it, to not have monopolies, especially government run monopolies beating me down. And so the government has to be careful because yes, I love my store. I love my community and so on. But if I could do something else that was as fulfilling slash profitable, I'd be gone if it's going to help yeah. my family out. So they have to be careful because boom, 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 boom. I mean, things cannot, there's a lot of business that are, that are precariously perched on the, on the ledge of just having all that nice mix that I have, but it doesn't take much for the government to come in and take some of those freedoms away. Yeah. And not, crazy freedom, just freedoms to open your door and do business that, yeah. um, that, that they, that's what I think they have to, they have to watch. And so they've been, the government's been very generous, but what I'm looking for more even than generosity is just, uh, the ability to compete because that's what we are. We're all competitors, you know? Well, and, and let me say this <laughs> before I pivot to the last couple of questions to me, the saddest thing that I can see in the marketplace is a liquidation sale. Because let's be honest, if it's a small business owner or a local chain or something like that, that means the person that owns that is in real trouble financially. Mm -hmm. And, or if, if it's a retirement sale, it's a little bit different, but again, 
no one, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lose my house if the restaurant down the street closes, but the guy that owns that restaurant, he's probably losing everything. Right. And so, you know, people say, well, man, they're in business. They make all this money and things like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they, they sweat people that have a nice home, but, but what we don't realize is when that business goes under that person is responsible for all the liabilities and people's health have been affected and, yeah, yeah. you know, things like that. And so, you know, we, I, I want to say to you and other small business owners out there, um, I want to be, this podcast is here for you to keep you encouraged because people that own businesses, own whatever size your business is, you got to stay encouraged because yeah. we need you. We need you out there doing business. Yeah. Mike, that makes sense, Brian. Thank you. Well, no, I I just wanted to say that, Mike. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the biggest obstacle that you've overcome, because again, as you you know about the, the podcast, we want to give encouragement. Like I mentioned a moment ago, giving encouragement to those people that that are walking through something. And yeah. what I found is that people are are connected by. Oh man, I've gone through something like that. Take mm. me through the biggest obstacle that you've overcome and the greatest lesson you've learned from it. Probably my biggest obstacle growing up number eight in the family and maybe being a little bit of the peacemaker and maybe adding humor to things that uh, a little levity to things at home. Uh, it started to probably, I maybe didn't always say it was on my mind and maybe afraid of the outcomes of saying what was on my mind. And so I think that that's been my biggest obstacle is maybe earlier on in my, and it's easy to say now, you know, but, but if I could go back and live now, and which is impossible because I've got the wisdom of a 50, 54 year old versus a 24 year old, but I'd probably say what was on my mind more back then, let the chips fall as they may after I said what was on my mind. Um, get things in order that maybe would have happened if I would have said things that were on my mind. And, um, and that's, that's probably what I would have left with myself, you know, or that's what I would, you know, that was probably the biggest, my biggest challenge and something um, by the grace of God, I'm still around and I get the fruits now of, of working on that for a long time. And it's been, it's been really something, um, letting people see me and know that they're pretty much getting what they see. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Mike, again, man, I, I, that's what we've talked about is encouraging people like yourself, encouraging salespeople and leaders and ministers and just people of all different walks of life. I know you've got some strong intentional encouragement. So what's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement? Yeah, I would, um, boy, I guess I would tell people to, there's 8 billion people on this earth with all different DNA for a reason. And um, God's intention was not to have people clone themselves. It was to bring back bring crazy DNA from the mom and crazy DNA from the dad and mix them and come up with something genuine and unique. And so 
I think I would encourage people to embrace their uniqueness and embrace their different way of thinking and to share it out with the world. And you can do that now easily with podcasts and with articles and things like that. And maybe you can't do that as an employee of a business, but outside of your business, you can. And I would say to share that and um, instead of focusing maybe on the 8 billion people that may not agree with you, maybe focus on the two or three that might, you know, and then just embrace that. And that's what I would encourage people to do and maybe to be them, be themselves more. And uh, if I would have known that years ago, like I say, I think it would have just allowed me to be a little bit more present um, with with myself and with my children and my wife and that, and that's, but that's what I plan on doing more now. of. Man, that's awesome. That is so good. Mike, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Tell folks where they can find you, get a hold of you, where they can find the business of pharmacy podcast. And I highly recommend that you go take a listen to that. Where, where are you on, on social media? Uh, probably the, probably the best way would just be to go on Google and just put in the business of pharmacy podcast. And kind of my lesson is we don't talk about anything that sounds too smart on there. If it's got a, if it's got a, a Latin, a Latin name to it, or a long drug name, we're not talking about, we're kind of talking about stuff around the periphery of that kind of some of the things we talked about today, Brian. So um, that's where you'll find me. Yeah. And, and speaking of not talking about things that are real smart or complicated, <laughs> he had me on his podcast and I'm nowhere near smart so, or complicated. So there you go. Proof in the pudding. Yeah. Proof in the pudding that uh, anybody can, you know, <laughs> you know, my proof in the pudding that Mike is very deft at interviewing <laughs> anybody. So, <laughs> Mike Kelzer, you're the best. I appreciate your time today. And thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thanks, Brian. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.